Abbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. anything left from this man to surprise us that was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen Seaman got his hello and welcome to episode 62 of hitting the bar the football podcast I'm Chris Carl and I'm Jeff Saunders Jeff more football to talk about but first your trivia question who are the first brother and sister to be selected to play for England oh that's an intriguing one we'll find out later but let's get started with this weekend's games uh, we'll get to your team West Ham and my team Tottenham very shortly but first of all Chelsea won away at Newcastle 2-0 a lot of people are saying oh could Tottenham win the league but I think Chelsea are right up there with Liverpool now well I don't know I don't think Tottenham or Chelsea have shown that they're consistent enough yet Liverpool seem to be reacting extremely well to terrible injuries in their defence I mean it's decimated their defence so the fact that they they keep on winning I think is is it's bad news for everyone else, I think. All right, so we don't think that Chelsea have got what it takes, although, as I say, they beat Newcastle, who they're one of the most inconsistent teams in the league, aren't they? Yeah, but they're drifting down the table, aren't they? They'll very they'll very soon be on the same same number of points as games played, which is always the, the line between relegation and not. So I think they're regressing to the mean, as they say. All right, so we don't we don't th- we don't think much of Newcastle United, but we're not sure about Chelsea. It looks like Kepper is going to have to take a wage cut and go and find a team that will play him. But it'll be no great loss for them, will they? Mendy seems to be having a great time for for Chelsea, and that has been the difference. Yeah, having a goalkeeper who can you know catch the ball <laughs> does seem to be a big improvement. I never subscribed to the view that there was a problem with Chelsea's defence. They conceded very very few shots and very sh- few shots on target, and their goalkeeper just kept letting them in. Mendy's a good goalkeeper, and he's not letting them in. I mean, Chelsea played well against Newcastle. They, they look good. I think they're looking better all the time. I still don't see them as being consistent enough to win the league. But maybe. Maybe this is a season where consistency isn't going to isn't going to happen. We were doing a live radio show as that game was playing out, and we were in a bar because it was before bedtime, uh, before our parents, the government, told us to go to bed. Uh, but it, we were in the bar watching that, and from the screams and shouts from the Newcastle fans in the bar, it looked like Newcastle had quite a few shots and quite a few chances to go ahead and scuff them. They, they had three or four, and which which went over the bar, and I think one might have hit the bar. You know, they were they were quite rare and very late in the game when it was already decided. Yes, I think Newcastle, along with a lot of other teams, have a a problem with not having a striker. I think that's one of their problems. Aston Villa won Brighton 2. Lamptey got sent off towards the end, but it doesn't matter. Brighton had already won it by then. But that's a great away result for Brighton because Aston Villa have been been very good. And, of course, they've got the wonderful Jack Grealish. Yeah, it was was an excellent result for Brighton and they, they deserve it. You know, the issue, as we've been saying throughout the whole season, is Brighton play very good football. They just need to score the goals and this weekend they scored so so they ended up winning one of the goals came from Welbeck which is fantastic it's great to see him come back and score let's hope he can stay fit enough to score a lot more 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, secret fan of Danny Welbeck. I kind of felt a little bit sorry for, because uh, he's faded and disappeared. And it, when he scored, it was it was a nice warm feeling, I suppose, just to see him back on the score sheet. And you could see from his face just what it meant to him. I mean, he really celebrated that goal. And well done, because maybe it's maybe a cruel thing to say, but he's now found a level where he can play consistently and get the goals that... Are the, are the fuel for a striker. He, I mean, he's there with Lallana and Lamptey. He's got some good players around him. Maybe he's found his level. I'm, I'm not sure about level. The issue with him was always injuries, and that he could never get an established run in a side so we could find out what the level was. I was always convinced that he wasn't an international player, but he was a Premier League player. So, yeah, you might be right about level, but we've never seen the evidence that proves it one way or the other, to be honest, because of his injury record. I mean, he did, <laughs> did go down injured at one point during that game and nobody was in the least bit surprised but we hope he's okay well done Danny Welbeck getting a goal but more importantly well done Brighton Brighton are pulling themselves clear of what seems to be three teams that are already relegated uh, we'll come on to those in a moment but we don't know who's going to be champions but I think we can place a, a very very solid bet on who's going to go down already um, let's have a look at the other games the next game on the roster as it were was Tottenham 2 Man City 0 I'm a Tottenham fan delighted by that bit of a park park the bus situation from Mourinho some people said oh typical Mourinho, others, particularly Tottenham fans, were saying it was um, he got he got it tactically right. At the end of the game, he was celebrating with all the players, and he went up to Hoiberg and sort of made a sort of angry beast face because he was a beast that day, Hoiberg. And I think maybe I'm a bit biased, but every Tottenham player really put in a shift that day. I don't think anybody could have been pulled out for not working hard, which you have to do against uh, Man City. But Tottenham got what is it, four shots and two goals? Yeah, and, and that's the issue. And very really like the the newspapers do with with the Wanderers, they're they, they're trying to push this narrative of Mourinho out tacticked Guardiola, which is absolute crap. Spurs played the same way they played all season, same way they played last season, same way they played under under Pochettino. They had four shots on target, they bagged two goals. Well, that's that's the deal in football. You've got to score when you're on top. Manchester City, you know, kept them down to four shots on target, so their defence played very well. There is no evidence that Mourinho's tactics were better than Guardiola's Guardiola's tactics in fact were much better they, they conceded fewer goals and they uh, fewer shots on target and they had more shots on target it's just that Manchester City can't find anybody to score a goal when Aguero isn't on the pitch and that's the, the start and finish of it Kane doing his dropping deep into a number 10 role he was doing that under Pochettino it worked extremely well they they turned it into two goals brilliant well done but any narrative that says oh was Mourinho out tactic Guardiola was simply crap Spurs took their chances, City didn't, and that's the end of the deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that there was any sort of genius at work there. I think it was a manager who knew his squad and he put them out to play. And they all knew what their jobs were, which you don't see with every team. And we'll come on to Arsenal in a moment. It might not have been a tactical moment of genius, but it was good management. And the team played well and he put the players in the right positions and they knew what to do. And they all worked hard for him and for the team. Well, if Mourinho is is the the brains behind getting Hoiberg, then give him the credit because Hoiberg is the difference in that Tottenham side this season to last he's that that glue that holds the midfield together breaks things up and starts starts attacks off I mean he's a, an exceptionally good player but we knew this when he was 17 and he broke into the you know in, into the consciousness in Europe everybody knew what a great player he, he was and could be his problem again like like Wilbert before has been you know several years of injuries so if he can stay injury free then he's going to be a superb acquisition yeah he's a no-nonsense player every team has to have that beast in the team 
we've had it in the past. So, yeah, great. Hoiberg was brilliant. And I, th- I thought the whole team played very well. It doesn't have to always be fast, free-flowing football. It doesn't always have to be pretty. But it wasn't ugly. It wasn't a park-the-bus situation. I think you're right. It was just Tottenham playing as Tottenham do. He's now been at Tottenham for a year. He's not had a full season yet, what with lockdown and coming in after the 12th game. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, was uh, a year exactly since his first ever game in charge of Tottenham, and I believe, Jeff, they beat West Ham. Doesn't everybody? (laughs) Well, not recently, but we'll come on to that in a moment. But yeah, I thought Tottenham were very good. I don't buy into this, we're going to win the league thing. I think 20 points is very, very good. If we, you know, threw the game away against Everton, threw it away against West Ham, and I think Drew with Newcastle, a couple of those results had gone the way they should have done. We'd have been well clear at the top, but I don't think we necessarily can say we're going to win the league. But I think we're going to put in a very good showing for top four. But we've got some tough games coming up. We've got Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Wolves and Leicester all coming up in our next throw of games. That's going to sort it out. I mean, I did think Man City would be the one, but we we seem to have uh, disposed of them. There is a joke going round, and I haven't been able to see if it's actually a a real quote, but there was uh, a a story going round that after the game Mourinho was uh, told, Man City had 66% of the ball, to which he replied, they can keep the ball, I've got the three points. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I, I keep coming back to the, the Bill Shankly comment when he was interviewed on, on Parkinson in about 1972 or something. He said in every single football match, whether it's Liverpool playing Tranmere Rovers, and at this time Liverpool were winning the league every year and Tranmere Rovers were in Division 4, he said even in Liverpool versus Tranmere Rovers, there will be 10 minutes when Tranmere Rovers are on top because that's football and you have to score when you're on top. That's the secret. You've got to do it. City didn't, so they lost. Spurs did, so they won. Yeah, there's, there's no no secret in it. There's no sort of special formula. They just worked hard and took their chances. And that is how you win the league. But I'm not saying that Tottenham will. I think there's a lot of other stronger teams as well. It's much too early to say who's going to win the league. If you were forced to pick someone, you'd have to pick Liverpool because they have the track record uh, and the track record of consistency to do it. And one, you know, Tottenham and consistency tend not to go in the same sentence. Unless, unless there's always not in there. Yes, that has been our problem in past years, particularly under Pochettino, and I feel that that is coming, that Spursy moment. thought it was going to be Man City, you know, having had such a nice run, but it wasn't. You mentioned there, you know, that there are teams that will get a few moments in a match. West Brom were away at Man United. I had that down as 3-0, because obviously Ollie's got to have that bounce back again, keep win-lose, win-lose, whatever it is, bad performance, good performance, and I had that down as a, a routine 3-0, and Man United scraped it 1-0 with a penalty which was retaken yeah I, I had 3-0 for Manchester United as well Bruno Fernandes match winning penalty again yeah their first league goal at Old Trafford in 324 <laughs> 324 minutes of football the first in fact since the Bruno Fernandes penalty in the 6-1 defeat to Spurs last month take penalties out of it and Bruno Fernandes only scores a third of the goals he scored and Manchester United score hardly any I mean it's it was a terrible performance by Manchester United and West Brom were extremely unlucky considering the the penalty was definitely debatable and the retaking it was very very harsh we are we are where we are and Manchester United winning penalties is not a surprise to anybody do you think West Brom were unlucky did they put up a good performance and what's happened to Pogba because he wasn't even in the matchday squad well, Manchester United were better without Pogba, as, the, as they have been for a while. Um, he adds nothing to them when he plays. Um, West Brom, well, West Brom were, were, look at where they are in the league, and that, that's how well they played. Tells you how well Manchester United played. Um, Manchester United 
can look good against teams which attack them. If you don't attack them, they haven't got a clue. They have no plan of how to break down teams who defend in a low block. So, you know, and, and that's been the same for 18 months. This has not changed. Solskjaer has had 18 months to sort this out and failed to do it. Before him, Mourinho had time to sort it out and failed to do it. Now, Mourinho, as, as we know from players who, who have been coached by him, Mourinho does not believe in coaching attacking players. But it's situations like this where you need that. And, you know, Manchester City against Tottenham. Manchester City ran through their routines and they created chances, just didn't put them away. Manchester United didn't even create anything. They had two shots, two shots on target. One in the first half from, I think it was Martial, one in the second from Rashford. Two shots on target against a team at the very bottom who 99.9% certain to be relegated at the start of the season and now 100%, I would think. They're, They're clueless, utterly, utterly clueless. Yeah, dreadful Man United, really. Pogba, not in the match day squad. Talk about him looking to move, not being happy. That's kind of what he seems to do every time the team he's playing for aren't playing well. And he wants to go somewhere and min- win medals. But he has to be part of the team that wins it. And he's not putting in an effort. And I think Man United, yeah, they need somebody or something that does create, as you say. I mean, if Man United have only shot two shots on goal, there's something bad, something badly wrong. No, I, I think if only they had a, you know, really good, creative, attacking midfield player like, you know, Donny van der Beek who, from, from Ajax, he's, re- he's really good. Yeah, he'd, he'd be great. They, they should try and buy him. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? They bought him. Everybody went, ooh, because this is at the beginning of the season. That is possibly one of the best signings of the summer transfer window. As you said, Tottenham signed Hoiberg, which has been a revelation. But Man United signing of Van der Beek, everyone went, oh, this is an indication that they mean business this season. And he can't get in the team. I, I was one of those. I thought that is the best signing of the summer. That is exactly what Manchester United need. But they, they have to play, play Pogba if he's fit enough to play. That's the, the contractual situation. Good luck to them getting money for him if they want to sell him. Because I, I don't know who's going to buy him. Because his performances show that he's, he's shocking. He's just not worth any money. Rumour last week going round that Barnsley's chief executive or whatever had met with Mario Balotelli's agent <laughs> to sign Balotelli for Barnsley. But I tell you what, I don't think even Barnsley put an offer in for Pogba the way he's played lately. No, I mean, if you look at how they have played... Manchester United's big, big money signings, Maguire and Pogba, have been absolutely shocking. Not just this season, but for all of last season as well. Shocking. And that that is part of the big problem. The other part of the problem is they don't have a coach who can sort it out. Yeah, Solskjaer still not really doing it for me. You can see whether you like it or not, I know you don't, but you can see what Jose has done and is doing with Tottenham. I feel a difference from the Pochettino time. You can at least see what he's doing. You can definitely, of course, see what Klopp does and brings to Liverpool. You can even see what Sean Dyche brings to Burnley, who are underperforming. But you cannot see what Arteta is doing at Arsenal, and you cannot see what's... You don't say, oh, that's definitely a Solskjaer line-up there. You can see what he's doing. Well, I, I agree. I, I think you can see a change um, with uh, the groundsmen at the Wanderers, because they are more defensive, definitely. They're, they are more solid solid defensively. But in terms of transition to through midfield to attack, no, nothing at all. It's still, oh, let's hope some of these clever boys can, can do something. You know, if being clever means lumping the ball into the middle to the centre-back's head well that seems to be all they, they managed to do you know the, the, the 
Saunders was shocking the other night and, and incredibly lucky to get away with that draw against Leeds, who hit the bar and the post three times. And if they had a, a striker like, not, not, not even a, a Vardy or a Kane, but let's say a, a Danny Ings, they'd have got three. Perhaps Patrick Bamford is not the answer as a striker. All, all those good things he gives you in the build-up and all that, which Bielsa loves, that's fantastic. But your striker's got to score 20 goals and he's not going to. We've watched Leeds a few times this season and every time we've gone, what an exciting team to watch. They're really good and they've got Premier League credentials. Apart from that most important thing, which is scoring goals. And they have scored, but they've let in so many because they're desperately trying to score and everybody's up there trying to do it. They need a striker. They do need a striker. And if they had, as you say, against uh, a very woeful Arsenal, two shots on goal, the first one coming after the 60th minute from, well, who else, Abamayang, he must be now thinking, why did I re-sign? Why did I sign that contract? Well, the answer to that is nobody came in to buy him and they increased his, his wages considerably. So so, so he and Willian are, are sitting there in the almost in the Mesut Ozil club, trousering a shed load of money um, in a team that isn't going to win anything and isn't even going to look good failing either. I mean, who, who was the most creative player for the Wanderers in that match? Hector Bellerin, the right back. He was their most creative player. Now, doesn't that tell you everything? What were the rest of them doing there? In a game of 34 shots, the Wanderers' total was nine, which is close to their seasonal average, by the way. It's a third of the total that Leeds did. That's what they are. And, and yet the journalists in the newspapers continue to push Arteta as being some, some genius. And by every single measure, Unai Emery in his first 27 matches was better. A pretty pitiful game as well. I mean, Leeds did really go at Arsenal, but it wasn't a great game to watch. And Arsenal certainly weren't great. Pepe got a red card. A lot of people joking that he did it on purpose, so he didn't have to play with Arsenal for the next three games. However, it was a headbutt. It was, I mean, I think the Leeds player made the most of it, but it was even off the ball. No reason to do it at all. Got himself sent off. Arteta said that he'd let the side down. I don't think they'd have won if he'd have stayed on the pitch anyway. Leeds were better against. 11 to be quite honest every time Leeds looked good it had come as a result of uh, the Wanderers attempting to go forward so w- when th- when they just have to get all 10 behind the ball and, and say right okay it's attack for defence what have you got because that, that makes it much much more difficult it's much easier to score against a team that's also trying to score against you so yeah I mean Pepe Pepe did something well. Um, I watch a lot of the NFL, and last night there was a situation in a match where a player did a similarly stupid thing. He hit an opponent. And the, the, the words from the commentators and the ex-players who were commentating was, was quite important. What they said was this. That player thinks he's more important than his team. Yes, the other guy's trying to wind him up, but you've got to think, if I hit him, it puni- the team will be punished by this. I'm not going to do that. So, like Pepe. Pepe thinks I'm more important than the team. Headbutts him get sent off and the team suffer I mean I suppose Leeds at the beginning of the season if they were told they were going to draw with Arsenal be it at home or otherwise would have probably taken that point but I think they should be probably disappointed at the end Leeds nil, Arsenal nil. Arsenal down in the well 11th I think Sheffield United nil, West Ham 1 a player who scored who very rarely seems to be getting games Haller for I mean proving his worth oh definitely I mean, Haller is a, a one goal in two game centre forward and he should be played all the time he should be played with Antonio and, and West Ham would be much better um, West Ham deserved the win uh, the fact that it was only 1-0 was, was a problem it shouldn't have been that close I disagree with most West Ham fans here I, I, I think Bowen should be should be dropped in favour of having Antonio and Haller up front there, there isn't enough production 
direction from Bowen. He runs around lots and lots of energy, does lots of things. He's very, very like Willian at Chelsea, but not much actually happens. And I'd much rather see you know Antonio, who's got the the movement and the speed, with Haller, and the two of them would would terrify defences. Things uh, in terms of results definitely going better for West Ham. We've got to do better than win one nil against a team that that looked lost. To be honest, you know it was three win three points. The win, okay, fine, take that and move on. All right, and a champions Liverpool beat Leicester 3-0. A lot of reports on the BBC and other sports outlets saying Liverpool won with ease and looked extremely good, put Leicester in their place as far as title contention goes and put it on notice that they are the team they were last season. Was it that easy for them? That, that is a good description of it, but it wasn't easy at all. They, they do that because they work harder than everybody else. Everyone else is on notice. Despite having their, their defence absolutely decimated, they they showed Leicester how to do it. And, and for me, the great thing was... was Milner's performance Milner was just wonderful you know he is he is a fantastic player he's a, and a great guy apparently and he, his performance the other night was superb well Klopp um, picked him out uh, for special attention a special notice that he is now world class blah 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 the usual things but he was one of those players that we used to say how's he ever getting the England squad and he's proved well certainly I said it and he's proven me wrong because he's now becoming the complete player isn't he well I, <laughs> complete player yeah maybe, maybe. He, he's he's one of these players that's, that's just a footballer the coaches say oh he'll do a job everywhere which of course en- ends up penalizing you in your career because because you you're not a specialist you never get automatically picked you always get oh we've got a problem here oh let's put him in there but i think milner has suffered for that throughout his career but he's always been good he's always given a hundred percent and if he makes a mistake he puts his hand up says yeah that was me sorry we'll put that right and he does He's an excellent servant for a club. International player, I, I don't know, because you don't get enough matches in a row in internationals for that, for the things that Milner does to become important. They're each, each one is a one-off. Maybe you have a player like that on the bench. If you know if somebody gets sent off and you need to rearrange, then yes, OK, you can bring him in and sort stuff out. But for a league campaign, Milner is fantastic. Yeah, he's that jobbing footballer, like ever jobbing actor. He's, he's not the star of the show. He's not... <laughs> top billing but you can't do without him in the team yeah so maybe he did suffer from that because he's not got this sort of star quality he's got the sort of put him anywhere quality Burnley won Crystal Palace nil described on uh, the BBC commentary as one of the worst games ever somebody writing in commented that really they were so bad Burnley and Crystal Palace both teams should be relegated now um, I don't know if it was that bad but Burnley got three points finally yeah Burnley, Burnley's rise up the league started <laughs> well they, they they are streaky aren't they They, when they lose they lose a lot in a row and when they win they win a lot in a row so let's see what what happens my my money would be on Burnley staying up I have to say but one thing we we forgot to mention when we were discussing the Wanderers was that 476 minutes have now passed since Arsenal scored a Premier League goal from open play and that's under the maestro Arteta everybody said it at the beginning of the season that you know obviously the the title is open there's been some great signings etc etc anybody could win the league certainly top four is going to be hotly contended and Arsenal will be up there I don't see it now I really don't I think yes Tottenham are very well known for being inconsistent and having those spursy moments and if we lose against Chelsea we could go on to lose the next four 
But I don't think Arsenal have got it in them to challenge us for the top four now. I think they and Manchester United are dropping out of that race. I think Man City will rise up the table. They are below United currently, but I think they'll rise up. Whatever the opposite of I fear for Arsenal (laughs) is, that's what I feel. Because I I think they might actually be knocking themselves slowly out of contention. Yeah, I think the only thing that can really rescue them is, is that from sort of third place down to about 16th nobody's going to be very consistent so almost anything could happen um one thing which which did leap out at me in the in the commentary on the the match between the Wanderers and Leeds was comment by Gary Neville saying that uh, when someone was talking about the amount of money that Tottenham have spent compared to the amount of money Arsenal has spent and Neville saying well I don't understand why Arsenal haven't spent more well Mr Neville here it is the owner of Arsenal has just built the most expensive sports stadium in the world that cost him 5.7 billion dollars which is two and a half times more than it was supposed to cost that is where Arsenal's money has gone now that's not it's not a surprise the the stadium didn't appear overnight and everyone go oh where did that come from no it's been going on for a long time and people have known for a long time that Kroenke hasn't got the money to finance Arsenal in the way that uh, the groundsman would like it to be so that there's your answer yeah, so possibly Arteta's hands are a little bit tied and he hasn't had the opportunities to buy players he did but nevertheless they have got a few players they've signed and they re-signed Aubameyang and all that and it was a big fanfare and they've got Pepe well not for the next three games you said about the team sort of from fourth down or third down being inconsistent well here we are at Wolves 1 Southampton 1 two of those teams Southampton having a flying start to the season but those are two teams that will sort of level out aren't they and that was uh, them being level one all yeah they're, they're going to level out round about where they are at the moment um, something between fifth Fifth and fifth and eighth, I think they they will both finish in that in that range. Yeah, along with Everton and yeah, West Ham probably. That that's what we're going to get. What was fascinating yesterday was uh, listening to the interviews after the match from the Southampton players and how much they love Hazanhutl. They love him and they love playing for him. And and they were saying it, and you could see it in their faces. He's really instilled something very special there. So that maybe the challenge for Southampton next season is going to be keeping their manager. Yeah, it's not often you get that, is it? It's normally when will the manager be sacked? Southampton drew away at Wolverhampton. That's a, a good point for Southampton. They're not points drop. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think if if Wolves had changed their way of playing just a little bit, it could have been quite different. Wolves um, certainly this season and for most of last have been attacked much more in the second half. They tend to take the first half looking at what's happening in the game and taking any opportunities and become very much more proactive in the second half. If they just kept feeding the ball to Traore then they could have won that game I think because he's dangerous every single time he got the ball and Southampton struggled to to keep a hold him. Bertrand couldn't do it on his own. It had to be Bertrand and and Vestergaard had to double team him all the time which means ergo somebody else is free somewhere else. Quite why Wolves sort of choose to be sort of quite passive in the first half I'm, I'm not I'm not sure and you know Southampton a very well drilled start to finish and and did a great job it's a good result for them Wolves have got to feel they dropped two points yeah two teams there I think and of course I'm a Tottenham fan so I'm you know anything I say about Arsenal might be tinged with bias and not necessarily 
fact. But uh, Wolves and Southampton, possibly two teams competing with Arsenal for a Europa League place. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to say that at the moment they're, they're better and, and better value for that Europa League place, yes. Before we move on to our predictions for the next round of games, I just wanted to mention we mentioned it on the radio show, the sports show we do on a Saturday for 93.6 Global Radio here on the Costa del Sol. We mentioned that last week in Brisbane, what is in Australia, they had a rugby cup final. I think it was a cup. Jeff can explain that. Uh, at which there were over 52,000 people present. Obviously, their lockdown has worked out differently than other places in the world. This week, the government of the UK announced they hope to allow fans back into open-air sporting events by Christmas with a maximum of 4,000 per event in only in particular areas. That'll be the south of England, <laughs> of course, but that means that fans can go back into football stadiums. It's just beggar's belief. What does that even mean? Yeah, it's ridiculous, uh, and it shows what utter utter crap this whole, thi- whole thing is. They, they should go back to, you can have as many people as you like in the stadium, and it isn't going to make any difference to the number of people who die from, from this virus one way or the other. The whole thing is is hypocritical for me anyway is that you know when people could only meet five of their friends for a barbecue in the open air you could uh, if you went grouse hunting or fox hunting you could go in groups of 30 and and you can go to the theater and you can go to see an orchestra but you can't go and see football if anybody can't see class war there i don't know what you're looking at and of course you, you for some reason you're allowed to go to church I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. It's a farce, the whole thing. Let us back into the stadiums to watch our football. All right, let's have a little look at what's coming up this weekend. Strangely, and I know I thought about this last night when I was uh, watching the commentary for the Crystal Palace game, and they, they say, you know, what's coming next? Crystal Palace, having played on Monday, are the first game to play this weekend, and they play on Friday. It would seem to me, if you played Monday, you would be on the Saturday roster. But there we are, Crystal Palace against Newcastle on Friday. Yeah, why don't they have a roster? Why don't they say, if you play Monday, then next week you play Sunday, next week you play Saturday, and just roster it round? Because these different TV TV companies have, have different matches. We've handed the game over to the TV companies, and basically nobody wanted that game, yeah. It's nonsense, and football's got to take back control of this and say as part of their negotiations next time, look, we, we will put up the schedule, you choose what you want to watch. Yeah. 2-0 to Palace. I'm going to go for 2-1 to Palace. Brighton against Liverpool is the early game on Saturday. A game, a 12.30 kickoff in the UK. A game that, talking of scheduling and TV rights, both Frank Lampard, who was the early game last Saturday and won it, and uh, Jurgen Klopp are among people saying, scrap the early kickoff because if you played in Europe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, getting up early and getting to the ground, home or away, for a 12.30 kickoff is wrong. Let's scrap it. There's plenty of other time slots available. Possibly they've got a point. It does get people in the pubs early and it does get people up early watching it, I suppose. That's all about the money. But Brighton against Liverpool, I suppose it's how many will Brighton lose by? Yeah, um, 3-0 to Liverpool. All right. 3-0 to Liverpool. Man City, (laughs) it's another 3-0, I think. Man City against Burnley. I mean, you said once Burnley start winning, but now they're up against City. Well, it depends. If Aguero plays, uh, City win 2-0. If Aguero doesn't play, I could see Burnley coming away with a 1-0. Oh, that would be very, very interesting. That would mix things up a a little bit. Another uh, game that I think looks quite exciting on paper, Everton against Leeds. Yeah, I'll I'll go for yet another 3-3. 
3-3, Everton 3, Leeds 3. Well, they do have those sorts of results, Leeds, don't they? And Everton have been um, winning and losing and, and scoring and everything. All right, I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. And, and a game that could be absolutely dreadful, West Brom against Sheffield United. Oh, God, you can't have minus scores, can you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. 1-0 to Sheffield United. Yeah, I think so. Um, Southampton against Manchester United. Now, if the Man United that played last week turns up, then I think Southampton could have that. I think Southampton uh, uh, should be very, very difficult to beat by Manchester United. So, you know, let, let's assume that Manchester United get a penalty, because they always do. <laughs> 2-1 to Southampton. And then uh, also on Sunday, a game <laughs> just, I'm absolutely fearful of. Chelsea, Tottenham. Chelsea are at home. Chelsea are on form. Tottenham, on form but inconsistent. Or I always feel it's very nerve-wracking being a Tottenham fan. Just what, even when you tune it up, you just can't, you know, can't relax. And against Chelsea, who in the past we'd have had some uh, very ding-dong battles and very aggressive battles. I don't, I don't even want to call that one. But I don't, I can't see Tottenham coming away with three points. Uh, Three-one to Chelsea. That's you off my Christmas card list. Arsenal against Wolves. Uh, I'm going for a draw. 2-1 Wolves. All right, 2-1 to Wolves. Uh, let's hope so, Jeff. Let's hope so. Leicester against Fulham. Got to be Leicester, hasn't it? And Fulham are down, aren't they? Oh, Fulham are down. I mean, they, they, they were down when the whistle went in the final of their playoff game. Yeah, Fulham's, Fulham's woes with penalties continued in the last match. Two matches ago, it was the dreadful Penenka. This match, the bloke kicked the ball against his own ankle and the ball went over the bar. And and everyone wondered, what why was the referee pointing for a free kick? Of course, if you kick the ball against your own ankle, it is an indirect free kick. The two worst penalties of the season so far, it's something Fulham can win, you know. If they if they get another penalty and manage to screw that up, they might get all three for the season. No, they're, they're going to lose by at least two goals. Yeah, I think so. Uh, West Ham against Aston Villa. Again, potential to be an exciting game. Yeah, I think 2-2. Two, two. So that's a draw, West Ham against Villa. Yeah, that, that could have a draw written all over it, really, I think. All right, those are the scores. Those are our predictions. Do not place a bet on any of those predictions. If anything, do the opposite. Apart from Fulham missing a penalty if they get it. Put a, put a bet on that. Uh, yeah, that seems to be uh, quite a consistent thing. That's nearly all we've got time for. But first of all, the answer to your very intriguing trivia question. Right, OK. The, the question was, who are the first brother and sister to be selected to play for England? And the reason I said selected is they were selected to both start in their matches, but one of the matches was actually called off, supposedly because of this virus. The answer is Rhys James of Chelsea and his sister Lauren, who's 19 years old and who plays for Manchester United both selected to play for England in the same week. I could imagine them being very com- competitive siblings when they were young. It's much bigger than that. There are two other brothers who've also played professional football as well, and they all, all used to play in the uh, in the family garden, and she held her own against those three boys. Brilliant. Well done to her, and well done, well, well done to that family. Fantastic. That's all we've got time for. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.